Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Coming live this time for real. I had a bad habit when I first started doing this of always saying we were live, even though I was recording it, you know, on like Sunday night at midnight or whatever. <laughs> but we are actually live now. So as always, uh, Andrew Erickson is joining me. And Andrew, happy draft eve, man. Dude, this is the best time of the year. I can't wait. Justin Fields is trending on Twitter in Massachusetts. I'm amped. <laughs> It's, it's, you know, been a long draft process. I feel like longer than normal, we haven't had the AAF, the XFO, nothing to take our mind uh, really off of this thing, but it is almost here. And I'm still excited for it, man. Like, it's it's good. But, man, the amount of, you know, just unnamed offensive coordinators, anonymous sources that, you know, are trying to trash some of these 21, 22-year-olds that I think happen to actually be pretty damn good at football has been, uh, you know, a little bit disappointing to see. It is what it is, though. And, everybody, we have a good episode here planned ahead. Basically, the goal of this, and we're not going to give you a mock draft that – Andrew and I want to happen or that we think to happen. We're going to go through basically every team and try to pinpoint what do we want to happen from a fantasy perspective. So for the Jaguars, like, yeah, we're going to pick Trevor Lawrence and them because they need a quarterback right now. But for, you know, someone like the Giants where we say, hey, we have Kenny Galladay, Shepard, Slayton, Saquon. Like, even if they might be better off in real life with a wide receiver, we don't really want to mess with that workload. So we would add an offensive lineman to that point. No defensive players will be selected because we don't want players with good defenses in fantasy football. That leads to usually, you know, just immensely positive game scripts, some kind of like what the Dolphins had for stretches last year. We don't get those fantasy-friendly shootouts like we do with the Cowboys and Seahawks and some of these other squads. So Andrew and I will be rotating picks. And Andrew, man, I really put you on the spot here. Pick number one, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who you take? All right, let's go. I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence, quarterback, Clemson. It's, yeah, it's the chalky pick, but it makes a lot of sense. I, I'm interested. I think that we could see Trevor Lawrence be a, Low-end QB1 this year. He's got some rushing upside, got some good weapons, got Chanel Shark, and they're going to add some more. They're going to add another running back with James Robinson eventually, so I like it. Where do you have Lawrence ranked for, like, redraft this year? I have him QB13 right now. I had Tom Brady behind him for, like, a half hour, and I just stared at my screen, and I was like, okay, Ian, <laughs> chill out. I cannot go this far, but, yeah, i with you because he hits the two most common criteria we see from great rookie QB1s in fantasy. It's starting from week one, which we are very clearly going to see him do, and having that rushing upside. Uh, Justin Herbert's the only one that has an average at least – 25 rushing yards per game in college. As we saw, he was far more athletic than he really put on tape at Oregon. But Lawrence right there at 24 rushing yards per game. So like I said, QB 13, I would put him ahead of guys like Stafford, Fitzpatrick, Jameis, Cam, behind Brady, Tannehill, Burrow, Rodgers. Where do you have him? Yeah, I have him right at QB 14. So kind of in that same similar tier. He's got a ton of upside. The defense is not good. They're going to be in a lot of shootouts. He's going to have to play from behind. Like we've never have seen this from Trevor Lawrence. He always wins. So it'll be interesting to see and sling it a little bit there in Jacksonville. All right, pick number two. I am taking Zach Wilson. We are sticking with the chalk here early on, everybody. And look, the Jets are just one of these teams, like the Jaguars, where they physically need to draft a quarterback. Otherwise, they're going to be trotting someone out there that you know you wouldn't wish your worst enemy to freaking have at QB. So, you know, Wilson will be out there in week one. Same kind of thing as Lawrence. I believe he did run for 10 touchdowns his last year at BYU. I'm just nervous about Zach Wilson, man. For him to be making this big of a jump in competition, I understand he has some Mahomes-esque arm angles on his highlight tape, but sheesh, oh sheesh, man. Like, the Coastal Carolina game, like, I've gone back and watched it. He really wasn't that bad. Like, some of these throws he made on the last drive were really impressive. You see, you know, the arm talent and the quote-unquote NFL throws. Like, they're popping up week in and week out, but 
I just worry that we're going a little bit too far with seeing like what Patrick Mahomes has been able to come in and do. And hey, for Mahomes, I mean, you know, credit to Alex Smith in Mahomes' first year for truly playing at an MVP level, uh, you know, for that first spot. But I think it's a bit reckless to assume that Zach Wilson will be able to come in and really give us much in fantasy land. You know, maybe we do get that Shanahan-esque offense from Michael Floor that makes life easy on him. I mean, Corey Davis. Jamison Crowder, Denzel Mims, they aren't the worst wide receivers in the league. They might be in the bottom five uh, groups as a whole. But I do think, uh, you know, Zach Wilson – I want Zach Wilson here mostly because I want Justin Fields and Trey Lance to go to offenses with better skill position players. That's what it ultimately comes down to. I mean, if Zach Wilson can unlock Chris Herndon, then, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be a fan of him for sure. But I, I guess I will yeah. say when it comes to Zach Wilson and the comps that he always gets, a lot of it's Aaron Rodgers, a lot of it's Patrick Mahomes. I think it's kind of interesting that – those guys both sat, you know, in their first season. You know, Mahomes obviously sat behind Alex Smith. Rodgers sat for several seasons behind Brett Favre. And that's not going to be the case with Zach Wilson. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of transpires with those certain players um, with Zach Wilson kind of being yeah. inserted into that offense right away. Yeah, I look at top 10 QBs because we do see Mahomes, Rodgers, but you've named like two of the very kind of few instances we've seen of a top 10 QB sitting. I know Mahomes, I, I guess, was actually, I guess they weren't top 10. So when you do get the top 10 quarterbacks, those are the guys that we will not see sitting as often. I think Jake Locker in the last 10 years is the only guy to not start like at least eight games upon being drafted top 10. So I don't think, you know, anyone's really guessing uh, Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence will be starting 16 plus games, but keep that in mind, you know, when the 49ers, when the Falcons potentially, one of these other teams takes a QB, uh, you know, it might not be a situation where we expect Jimmy G or Matt Ryan to fall off the map immediately, maybe a little more with uh, Garoppolo there, but I uh, just realized history does tell us if a team's, you know, feeling good enough about a QB to use a top 10 pick on them, we'll see them out there sooner rather than later. Andrew, there's a right and wrong answer <laughs> to the next question. 49ers, number three, go. All right, well, I'm going to inject some some realism in here, and I'm going to go with Mac Jones as the quarterback. Oh. And my reason being, in, okay, look, so I'll admit, you know, if you add in Trey Lance, you add in Justin Fields to this offense, that quarterback is going to skyrocket. You know, okay. in the Shanahan offense, having a mobile guy is going to be absolutely insane. But when you look at the, I'm looking at the whole offense as a whole with some of the pass catchers, I think that Mac Jones, having him under center, a player that's not going to take away any type of rushing equity from the running backs, he's going to probably throw more than we would see from a Trey Lance, than we would see from a Justin Fields. And again, he can make all the throws that Kyle Shanahan needs. And I think that's kind of being underestimated a bit that if he's the guy, like, don't be down on Debo Samuel. Don't be down on Ayuk. Don't be down on Mostert. Like, Mac Jones could probably be better than Jimmy Garoppolo was. So I think it's a really good fit. Again, I, I think that's what the pick is ultimately going to be. So we'll go with Mac Jones here. It's a good point. And I did a article pretty much on this uh, subject uh, earlier in the week that you can check out on PFF.com. And I had Mac Jones going to the bears. Cause I was like, hey, maybe he's actually an improvement over Dalton. Uh, and I don't really want him to go to any of these other offenses, but no, you've done a lot of good work in the past showing that running backs, while their efficiency will go up with the dual threat quarterback, you know, uh, Miles Sanders was talking about this last year when Jalen Hurts came under center. Simple. Read options. The defensive ends have to be more concerned about the mobile quarterback. And because of that, you see guys like Sean McCoy with Tyrod with Vic, like running backs with dual threat quarterbacks, see their efficiency go up. The problem is they don't get the targets because the quarterback's usually scrambling instead of checking it down. And if the quarterback is running around this much, you're eventually going to see situations like Josh Allen, like Cam Newton, like Kyler Murray, where they're a real pain in the ass to deal with around the goal line. So good points there, like Debo, Ayuk, Raheem Mostert, all those guys would probably, you know, be a 
a little bit more negatively impacted with a Fields, with a Lance, uh, instead of you know Mac Jones or Jimmy G. So I, I didn't love it at first, Andrew, but you have uh, you have talked me into it. Well, and I think too with Mac Jones, I think that's something to kind of talk. And this is kind of has to do with a little bit with betting as well. But if he goes to the 49ers, and I think that Sam Monson actually talked about this as well, how is he not the favorite right along Trevor Lawrence to be rookie of the year? If he's inserted into that offense that has a potential to make the playoffs, obviously wins are a big category when it comes into rookie of the year. I mean, who's going to win more games next year? A Trevor Lawrence led Jaguars team or a Mac Jones led 49ers team? I mean, Andrew, we don't even know if Mac and Trevor are going to be alive by Sunday. So it seems a little uh, ridiculous <laughs> yeah. to be making these sort of uh, proclamations. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a, a very good point by Sam. And, you know, Jimmy G, if he's healthy, he's good enough to keep one of these guys on the bench. But yeah. I believe the report yesterday was saying that, you know, good chance by Sunday uh, he could, in fact, be uh, off to 49ers. So we'll see with that. Certainly in terms of, you know, even if it's not fantasy necessarily, I still think the Broncos or Panthers might offer just a little bit better, you know, fantasy-friendly combination. The Panthers having that bad defense, uh, the Broncos maybe just having – I wouldn't even say slightly better skill position players, but it's, it's an interesting thought. Long term, though, we want whatever whoever your favorite rookie quarterback is, you want them to land yes. with Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers. <laughs> no doubt about that. All right, pick number four with the Falcons. I'm going with Florida tight end Kyle Pitts. Please don't trade Julio Atlanta. I saw rap sheets say like it's one of the worst contracts in the league because of the money. No, it's not a worse con like Ezekiel Elliott is a worse contract in the league. <laughs> you still have Julio Jones on your football team. Like that's what you're paying money for. I understand the desire to potentially flip him for a couple of high round picks. We've seen, you know, Diggs, Hopkins, Fetch is really big hauls. Julio, while he seems like he's immortal, he is 33, I believe now, even though his play hasn't slipped, we have seen him start to miss games. And, you know, obviously we don't see too many, unless you're, you know, Larry Fitz getting Bruce Arians coming in, moving to your slot. Usually we don't see wide receivers just putting up huge numbers the more uh, their career goes on. Excuse me, but man, with Pitts, I think even if Julio and Ridley are still there, this is a team with a terrible defense and Matt Ryan, where we can we can expect him to enable three high-end fantasy relevant players. Even though there isn't really a team in the league, I think that direly needs like a tight end. You know, everyone can a lot of people can use upgrades. The Cowboys, you know, Blake Jarwin, the Bengals, CJ Uzoma, the Dolphins, Mike Jacecki's more or less a slot receiver. But even the teams that lost their tight ends, you know, the Saints, they have Adam Troutman, the Bears have Jimmy Graham eventually leaves. They have Cole Komet. No one like exactly needs a tight end, but the Falcons, man, like Hayden Hurst did some okay things last year, but he was pretty much PFF's worst blocker at the position. And while he had a few good games, man, he won my Jameis Winston award for just being a boomer bus player at tight end because, you know, he put up the 50, 50 yards in the touchdown games plenty, but the rest of the time, man, we were getting some like Jordan Howard-esque, you know, one, one, one type uh, lines going through there. So Kyle Pitts with the Falcons, I would have him as my tight end six immediately. I think it's one of his uh, best potential landing spots. I think it makes a lot of sense as the best non-QB on the board. I like the landing spot because even if Julio, st if Julio stays there, Julio has shown us that he's the tide that rises all the boats. You know, his splits with Matt Ryan on and off the field are absolutely insane, at least from last year. And then if Julio gets shipped out, then, okay, it's going to be a target fest for Kyle Pitts with Calvin Ridley. Again, Hayden Hurst is kind of just a guy not too worried about him. Right. But that means I'm back on the clock with the Cincinnati Bengals and yeah, offensive line. They probably need it, but don't care. There's plenty of offensive line in the second round. We're going to go with Jamar chase because that's what they, that the upgrade that they need is Jamar chase. Dude, just AJ green last year was just so bad <laughs> hauling in the deep ball. He absolutely nuked Joe Burrow's PFF grade. Joe Burrow entered last year 
his last year at college was basically PFF's highest graded deep ball passer, like breaking all the records because of Jamar Chase. He goes to the NFL, has AJ Green, the corpse of AJ Green, I should say. And that absolutely nukes his PFF grade. It's like one of the worst graded throwers on 20 plus yard throws downfield. And when you just exchange that, you put Chase back in the offense with Burrow. I mean, the Bengals are going to be one of the best offenses next year, statistically, because they're going to be down by a million points all the time. They're going to have to throw a ton. So just more offensive firepower. 106 vacated targets just waiting there. And I mean, it could honestly be more for that for Chase in year one if him and Burrow are feeling themselves like they were at LSU. Burrow was first in the NFL in dropbacks upon getting injured. And, you know, looking at that defense, not exactly expecting them to take a big step forward. And I'm happy you brought up the AJ Green issue, man, because, yeah, People have thrown this out. Just four of his 24 targets thrown at least 20 yards downfield were deemed catchable. On the other hand, though, Green was considered open or wide open on exactly one of those targets. Like, if it was Green and Higgins and Auden Tate and everybody was having issues catching deep balls from Burrow, that'd be one thing. Andrew, it was pretty much only A.J. Green. Your evil twin, Alex Erickson, was better than A.J. Green last year. Like, it's just one of these things where, you know, I love analytics, but if they're not matching the film, like these ones don't, and we're trying to make an argument that Burrow wasn't good throwing downfield and A.J. Green was getting ripped off, that's just the kind of point where you need to take a step back and realize not really the case. Moving on to pick number six. So I was, you know, basically I don't want the Dolphins to add someone here. I think you can make a similar case with the Bengals where there's enough room for Chase. There's enough room, I think, for Pitts to go to the Dolphins. But, man, if the Bengals decide not to add anybody, man, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd are flying up those boards because all of a sudden their target projections are closer like to 130 than 110. That's kind of what I want for the Dolphins here. And that's why I'm going to take the best tackle available, Penny Sewell from Oregon, because, look, we already got Will Fuller. We already got Devontae Parker. I'm higher on Lynn Bowden than most. We got Jasicki. We got Miles Gaskin. There are pieces here, and the Dolphins, you know, they still have a bunch more picks in the top 100 that just aren't at number six overall. So as much as people might be trying to put, you know, Devontae Smith in here, like just go get Elijah Moore or someone later in the back half of the first round. I don't think they need to add a super high end receiver still to this offense. There is room in this slot. I understand Bowden is probably not going to be the starting guy out there, but Park and Fuller on the outside are fantastic. I don't think adding a slot guy will take away too much from them, but I guess I'm just more, I guess, optimistic in the Dolphins existing weapons. I know things got bad last year for Tua, but everyone was pretty much hurt at that point. Will Fuller was suspended. I mean, you know, we had Mac Hollins and, you know, just freaking random running back like uh, Perry. Like we were learning like a new player for the Dolphins like every single week uh, down the stretch last year. So uh, much like Tua, I'm not going to freak out about him not having that, you know, the greatest of a year one year. I also wouldn't uh, really rip off the rest of these skill position guys either. So give me a tackle to the Dolphins on number six. All right. That means I'm back on the clock with the Lions and I'm going to go with Jalen Waddle because the Lions don't have a slot receiver. That's the one thing that they're missing. They filled it in with Brashad Perryman. They filled in Tyra Williams and Waddle doesn't necessarily need a ton of targets necessarily to be productive. You know, he's a really explosive player, so he can get it done on a potentially lower target share, but that's probably not going to be a problem with him in Detroit. All we really want is Hawkinson to enter the elite status. I want him to drown in targets. So someone get him a life jacket <laughs> and Jalen Waddle. I, I want him to be able to be in an offense where he can thrive, be the main slot receiver where he was at college. And that's perfect for the Lions. They're going to be down by a ton of points every single game. So I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions with Jalen Waddle. 
Nobody has more available targets. We got Rashad <laughs> Perryman, who I, I love Rashad Perryman. He's honestly been playing some great football ever since he left the Ravens and got healthy. But he's hyping up, you know, Jared Goff's arm talent, one of the better uh, April headlines you'll see. But yeah, what we need to realize with Jared Goff, while none of us would, you know, want him to be our favorite team starting quarterback uh, for the foreseeable future, like he is still someone that we've seen. Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup have plenty of success with success with. So I don't think we're going to get Jeff Fisher version of Jared Goff. We're probably going to get a worse version, maybe even what we saw last year, which is not good. Just realize <laughs> on a team that is not going to be able to slow down anybody. I think other than DeAndre Swift, we could get, you know, other than DeAndre Swift, other than TJ Hawkinson, we could get at least one fancy relevant wide receiver. And I'm with you with Jalen Waddle being the wide receiver too in this class with the Panthers. I'm going to take a similar approach to what I did with the dolphins as much. You kind of, your breakdown of Mac Jones sold me, Andrew, to not put Justin Fields on the Panthers as great as that would be because <laughs> the amount they invested in Darnold, that could be like an actual competition. Fields wouldn't be yeah. guaranteed to start from uh, week one. And then once he does get out there, you know, he's not dumping down to McCaffrey as much. We're not exactly sure what the receiver distribution looks like. It'd be great for Fields. I think he could put up huge numbers uh, with Joe Brady, but just not really everyone else. So with that said, I'm going to just go to Rashawn Slater, get another offensive lineman. The Panthers is pretty sneaky man even when McCaffrey was balling out in 2019 like in yards before contact per rush one of the worst offensive lines in the league I think it could help them a lot they you know they need a number three receiver to replace Curtis Samuel but not that bad I'm fine with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson each pushing for 150 plus targets I'm not sure how clean those are going to be with Sam Darnold on the center Andrew we've talked at length about us not really being convinced that change of scenery is going to bring out much more than we've seen with Darnold but hey man build up the offensive line and you know as we kind of seen with the Browns and I guess kind of the earlier 2010s uh, Cowboys, you have a great offensive line. It's going to make even the worst players on your offense look much better. So I'd like to see that in Carolina and get some of these uh, target hogs even more condensed because as much as we want to say like, hey, look at all these empty targets from Curtis Samuel, it just doesn't apply as much because Christian McCaffrey's coming back and he's going to be taking uh, a ton of those. Maybe not in the same areas of the field, and that's why we are hopeful uh, for DJ Moore taking a big step forward. But give me a lineman to the Panthers at eight. Andrew, wh what do you like of the Broncos and why? Is it? Yes. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> it is Justin Fields. Thank I think God. it makes way too much sense to put him there. He's a hyper accurate quarterback. We've got no issues. That's the, one of the biggest issues that Drew Locke has is just accuracy downfield. Justin Fields also has a really strong arm, accurate arm down the field. And that's what Jerry, Jerry Judy needs that. Like the guy had so many air yards last year, but was unable to convert any of them into production. Cortland Sutton. Again, he got hurt, but dating back to 2019, he ranks top 12 in terms of average yards per route run. So I honestly wrote about this, I think in my article that came out today about some dynasty buys. I want you, I want people to go out and buy Jerry Judy, go buy Cortland Sutton, because if Justin Fields ends up in Denver, like you're not gonna be able to get those guys. And they have a chance to be the next dynamic duo in this league with a quarterback like Justin Fields under center. So let's get it going. Didn't even mention no fan, didn't even mention Albert. Oh, cool way, Boonam. <laughs> I don't need little, to, dude. Uh, not Carlton Sun, Jerry Judy is all I need. Got my little pronunciation uh, helper up here trying to help out Albert O. Yeah, man, Denver. I mean, I think Denver is the top spot for any rookie QB. Again, not necessarily because like 49ers, Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, Shanahan. I get it. That's number one. It's not a guarantee that Jimmy G is gone, though. And because of that, just in terms of the softest depth chart to rise up, as the Drew Lock apologist, it pains me to say, but it is obviously Denver. I would expect Fields to win that job by week one. And, man, I mean, Andrew, if Fields goes to Denver, I'm ranking him ahead of Trevor Lawrence this year. 
Oh, no question about it. I, I think that Justin Fields could actually be a late-run quarterback because people will be hesitant to buy in, especially because it seems like there's not a lot of people that like Justin Fields for some reason, don't know why, but I totally agree. I think that Justin Fields can actually be our late-run quarterback that Jalen Hurts has tried to be but was unsuccessful because the hype got too, got too big for him. Jalen Hurts, QB6, but everyone's favorite uh, QB15, at least they would like to think. Okay, <laughs> next up are the Dallas Cowboys. You know, don't need to go too far in this one because, yeah, it's just an offensive lineman. And it would make sense if they go O-line here over cornerback. I mean, just seeing how that really impacted their offense last year. That's what made Dak's performance all the more impressive to me because you look back at his career, like 2016 obviously comes in as a rookie, was fantastic. But 2017, we started getting a wash Des Bryant in there and we started having offensive line injuries like there was a stretch where, you know, when Zeke got suspended for those six games and people were like, oh, my God, like, can Dak not do anything without Zeke? And the bigger issue that people didn't really put together was that Tyron Smith. And I think Travis Frederick at some point uh, were, were missing a lot of games in that. And we just didn't see Dak really respond all that great. And, OK, he didn't have nearly as good as receivers as he did now. And, uh, you know, there were other issues. But seeing Dak for the first time not in a perfect situation and continue to really elevate everyone was great. But let's not lean on that. Let's not do what Seattle does with Russell Wilson and say, you know, you're great at avoiding pressure so we don't need to invest in the offensive line let's continue to go back to the well and start building back one of those great first round offensive lines that the cowboys have seemingly had for the past decade so i get it if they're gonna go with sertan in a corner in real life but i do think you know if slater or a uh, pool or one of these you know top guys really falls in them at 10 we could see them taking it but yeah look zeke he's gonna get fed one of the largest workloads in the league and we have a situation where each of cd uh gallup and Cooper are looking at triple digit targets as well. So, you know, hopefully Blake Jarwin can come back and take that full-time role. I am a little nervous that him and Schultz could just split things up a little bit, but Cowboys are a perfect example of an offense that we do not need to add any more volume pieces into. Andrew, this next one's interesting to me. It's you're picking the giants at number 11. And as you go into this, just note that Devontae Smith's over under draft position is 11 and a half. And I don't know, man, I don't think the giants need a wide receiver. I agree. I don't understand the the mock drafts that have him going to the New York Giants. I know that I think the report is that Joe Judge absolutely loves him. Again, he comes from Belichick, you know, Alabama connection. So I definitely kind of get that there. But for me, it's like, look, they went out, they brought in Kenny Galladay. They got him an alpha wide receiver. They still got Slayton. They still got Shepard. They got Ingram. They got Barkley. I think that the weapons are pretty good. I think that the main issue is the line. Like they, they need to continue to protect him. He had, I think it was PFF's worst graded offensive line last season. So I want Elijah Veritaka in there at offensive line to help protect Daniel Jones. Yeah, Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, only two guys with a pressure rate over 40%. Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, even Kyle Rudolph, like... This is not the worst group of receivers in the league. I understand they're not incredible, but this is not going to be the difference between Daniel Jones, uh, you know, being good or great. Already spent, you know, $72 million to get Galladay. I am with you there, Andrew. Next, uh, uh, so hold on. Who did you pick? Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. Yeah, we're going to start losing track of these random linemen pretty fast. With <laughs> all due is. respect to uh, <laughs> Elijah Vera Tucker. Next up, the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, this is a team that needs a wide receiver. And I think, uh, yeah, it makes sense to go ahead and get Devontae Smith uh, in-house here. I can see Devontae falling. I mean, if anybody is going to yeah. fall, and that's why I do really like his over 11.5 draft position on DraftKings, you can still get it. Last time I checked, like minus 130. He's 166 pounds. I don't think that matters, but you tell me these NFL coaches that have spun these narratives on fields and who else like don't care about that. Like that's the thing 
with, with me here, it's not what we think, everybody. We have all these draft analysts and Twitter guys coming out saying, oh, it doesn't matter what Devontae Smith's weight is. But it does matter, man, because these NFL people are whose opinions matter. And it just, it's just it's rare to see someone be that small. We don't have a long history of success with it. And for Smith to be a bit of an older prospect. I mean, Kevin Cole with PFF has been bringing out these great uh, you know, prospect models with comparisons just based on their production, their uh, analytics, their uh, measurables and all that. And just who has, who do they relate the closest to? And Devontae Smith, and maybe he is the exception. He sure looked like, you know, one of the best, he was the best player in college football last year. I wouldn't be shocked if he continues to be a great player in the NFL, particularly if someone can use him right, keep him on the move, heavy pre-snap motion, hopefully get him a friendly home in the slot. But, you know, just out of these wide receivers, if I had to pick one to fall a little bit further than people are expecting, I think it would be Devontae because of those uh, concerns. But with that said, man, I think the Eagles would be a fantastic landing spot. He could instantly be the number one over Rager. I don't think it really takes away from Rager. They just need more pieces out there other than, you know, Greg Warden. With all due respect, Travis Fulgham, he was uh, playing some good ball. But we just need more receivers out there. And I think Devontae could not only could be one of many wide receivers we see the Eagles add to their room here. Andrew, what are we doing with the Chargers? Yeah, last thing on, on Devontae Smith, I think that he fits what they need because he can get open. Like that's, yeah. that, that was their biggest issue last year was just guys can't separate, you know, our sake of white side. The dude is the cover boy, <laughs> poster boy of, hey, I'm a big body wide receiver. That's why everyone's afraid of the Seth Williams and these Nico Collins know, players man. because of JJ Arcega Whiteside for basically ruining it for everybody. So we're all kind of our kepping our expectations with yeah. these big bodied contested catch guys. But also too, look, who was the, you know, it was funny trending on Twitter last week when Devontae Smith's weight was released was Deshaun Jackson. The only other receiver that can profile in characteristically of his weight to Devontae Smith. And of course, who drafted Deshaun Jackson? Oh, the Philadelphia Eagles. So there we go. I, I like the, the fit there with them. For the Chargers, they got Mike Williams, who's kind of being slept on a little bit. Not a lot of chatter about Mike Williams, even though they lost a significant pass catcher last year in Hunter Henry. You got Keenan Allen, obviously the alpha wide receiver, Jared Cook, uh, Donald Parham, RIP. For me, I think it just goes back to tackle. I, I still think they need to continue to address the offensive line. It was really bad last year. I believe it was the last ranked run blocking run blocking unit. So I think bringing in a solid tackle will help Austin Eckler and help Justin Herbert, who had the league's highest passer rating under pressure. Yes, that's good, but that is not something that's sustainable year over year. Like that's what we need to get through everyone's heads. Like, oh my god, like Cousin Herbert's so good under pressure. It's like. Yeah, that's awesome, but that's not your, your your passer rating under pressure. Isn't supposed to be better than your passer rating from a clean pocket. Like that's not right. You want those to be reversed. So hopefully they can do that by adding more protection. So I'll go with uh, Tevin Jenkins at tackle. Tevin Jenkins, and yeah, I'm 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 with you, man. Let's just elevate this, and you know, credit to Herbert for playing so well, uh, you know, under pressure. But exactly, let's not hang our hat on that and expect uh, that to you know be a reality week in and week out. Uh, with the Vikings, I'm going the exact same route. Uh, we're going with Walker Little tackle from Stanford. I want Dalvin Cook getting 400 touches if he's healthy. I want Irv Smith for the first time in his career being the full-time starting tight end. And I want this run-first offense to continue to really condense the entire passing game around Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Adding another wide receiver or running back or tight end screws up all those plans. So that's what I want to happen. And, you know, as much as people might not like Kirk Cousins, look, he's been pretty spectacular at enabling these fantasy-relevant assets around him uh, with the Vikings. So still an offense that I think we should love in fantasy. I would say the Vikings uh, compared to to, you know, 
the Seahawks, the Cowboys, the Falcons. I have a little more confidence in the Vikings having a quicker turnaround on defense. I think Mike Zimmer is that good of a, you know, just defensive mind as a whole, but maybe not, man. And I could see them just continuing to try to add uh, early to the defensive side of the ball as well here. So we'll see. I think it's an offense where, you know, Jefferson is not catching anyone off guard. I think Dalvin Cook's the consensus RB too, but Irv Smith and Adam Thielen, man, I know they're not going to have as much opportunity as other guys, but don't uh, count them out, putting up some numbers on what should again be a pretty high scoring offense. Andrew, we did not plan it this way, but you're now on the clock with your Patriots at number 15. Who do you want? And there is a quarterback still available. Okay. That's, I was, I was starting to panic. I was like, wait a minute. Like I don't want a receiver to go there because there's not nearly enough targets for it to go, to go around. But I do remember now that Trey Lance is on the, is on the board still. So I think that he is the perfect fit here for the new England Patriots. Look, they have an offense that's built for a running quarterback. What is Trey Lance by far the best at entering this in this class is running. Like that's what he's been doing. And that's what he can rely on as he continues to progress through his throwing. And as he makes his leap to the NFL, whether Cam Newton plays the whole season or not, it doesn't matter. I think that the minute that we get, Hey, Trey Lance is starting week 10. Yo, play him in DFS. Just do it because he's going to rush for a hundred yards, two touchdowns, and he's going to be, you know, dirt cheap salary. So I think Trey Lance here makes way too much sense. He's got the cannon arm. You're going to see Nelson Aguilar bombs all day long, <laughs> ripping it down the seam to Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. Let's get it with Trey Lance. I was going to cut you off. You kept going on to Kendrick Bourne, but I think he did a good job uh, <laughs> with the appropriate weapons. <laughs> I, I, I had an article looking at which rookie QBs are going to offer the most fantasy-friendly rushing ability, and I had Lance as number one, even ahead of Fields, not because he's a better athlete, but just because this is like, again, our, our call for him in our PFF draft guide is Taysom Hill with actual arm talent. Like This dude just wants to run the ball, man. He racked up at least 40 yards and or a rushing touchdown in all but one of his 19 games over the past three seasons. So, look, I – Fully understand, you know, the same concerns with Zach Wilson jumping up uh, higher competition. Like you can double those for Trey Lance. But I think the way he plays is just so friendly for fantasy land, man, that I'm with you. It's going to be like Jalen Hurts. The second that he gets a job, no matter if the Patriots are dog trash by that time or not, uh, we're going to want Trey Lance likely inside of the top 12 in fantasy land. Moving on to the Cardinals. It's a tough one. I'm leaning tackle again. Oh, no, I'm not. Ooh, I got a good one here, Andrew. This would not be smart. This would not be smart, but Javante Williams to Boom. the Cardinals. So we have talked about this. I do not think the Cardinals are going to take a running back because they have this pick, they have a second-round pick, and they have, like, nothing until round five. There are far bigger needs. As we tell you on our PFF mock draft simulator, tight end, you know, interior defensive line, cornerback, they should absolutely take, uh, you know, people at those positions before a running back. With that said, uh, I believe, was it Kevin Cole again? Yeah, Kevin looked through the uh, offenses to see who has the most available opportunity just based on departed uh, carries and targets uh, from the backfield. And the Jets were number one, which I don't think would catch anyone by surprise. The Cardinals were number two. And we're also got, you know, the Steelers, the Falcons, um, and even the 49ers, I, I think, are other contenders to really make life good for a rookie running back. The Cardinals' issue is more we don't expect them really to. Again, only having those two picks – Bigger issues. You got Chase Edmonds. You got James Conner. You even got Eno Benjamin. I don't think that they're prioritizing out of a running back. But if they do, man, if they say, you know what, we want Javante, we want Etn, or even Najee in this round one, we're looking at a potential, you know, just top. 12 running back ASAP. There might not be a better offense, including Pittsburgh, to drop a running back into than the Cardinals. I know it's Kyler, and we've talked about the dual threat issue, but man, the Cardinals just want to run the ball inside the five-yard line more than anybody else. Drake only had fewer carries inside the five last year than I believe Zeke and Derrick Henry. Like He still had 
over 20 carries inside the five yard line, even with Kyler uh, taking all that opportunity. So we have seen, you know, the reason I was so high on Drake going to last year was because the first year Kingsbury was there, whether it was David Johnson, Drake, even Chase Evans for a game, all those running backs were getting like 90% snaps. Plus, which We just don't see really much more in today's NFL. Last year, it didn't come to fruition. Drake wasn't playing enough, well enough to really take over for Edmonds. If we see them truly commit to a running back and we're getting, you know, the, oh, he's a three down guy. We love his pass protection. Uh, reports in August, man, look out because the Cardinals, they have room to enable a true high-end fantasy back. Andrew, now this one could get a little silly. Las Vegas Raiders, we know they haven't been the best uh, first-round team in the past, but what direction would uh, you want them to go here? All right, so the pick I'm going to go, I'm not going to go offensive line. I know that's Ooh. that's the chalky pick because they they revamped the entire offensive line, but I think they like the younger players they have there, so I don't even think they're going to go offensive line in the first round in the real draft. But the pick I'm going to make here is going to be wide receiver because I am not sold on Henry Ruggs or Bryce Edward or Brian Edwards or Hunter Renfro or whatever. It's it's Darren Waller and then nobody else. I, I'm out on the running backs already, so whatever. Not going to improve the offensive line, and I'm going with Rashad Bateman. Like he is an alpha wide receiver who I think can step in and be the compliment to Darren Waller. Darren Waller is going to operate over the middle, but I think Rashad Bateman can be their winning outside wide receiver. And look, Derek Carr, we talked about it all year. Derek Carr is a good quarterback and their defense is awful. So I, I do think that there'll be enough passing volume for a guy for Derek Carr to support both Darren Waller and Rashad Bateman, and then just have rugs, Brian Edwards kind of work as complimentary pieces. I like it. Put Bateman in the slot. Like just because Renfro fits the, you know, <laughs> short white guy archetype that we've used for this position for years doesn't mean we like can't upgrade. Uh PFS Mike Renner has talked about this. We're like a lot of college teams these days. You see, you know, Ohio State with Garrett Wilson, uh, Bama, the way they use their receivers around. You're seeing teams just put one of their best receivers in the slot more and more often. That'd be fantastic if you know Bateman comes there and not necessarily just plays the slot full time, but don't be afraid to be the Chiefs. Just move everyone around, make it that much harder to game plan against you. I do like that call, Andrew. Uh, quick side note. So I'm trying to get, I've been working with uh, our guy Dave to try to get some uh, potential NFL players on this podcast here in the summer months get some good 10 question pods for everybody fingers crossed i want to get Derek carr on here and uh talk yes well, Derek, why do you block me on twitter which meme were you most offended by and you know uh go from there but i also do want to give the guy credit because you know to your point Derek carr while i think a lot of the things uh were true you know from 20 very fraudulent 2016 campaign in my opinion go look at how his stats compared against everyone else and you'll just kind of see that a nice little one score uh game record was more of that but truly 2019 for stretches and then 2020 we have seen Derek carr playing the best football of his career. Next up, we got the Dolphins. It's, it's the same. You know, I'm going back to the chalk. I don't want them to really add anyone here. They could add a running back. It wouldn't be that great because I think Gaskins is good enough to pretty much like not – not keep the running back on the bench, but I think we would have a committee situation. You know, even if they do go Najee Harris, I wouldn't assume that he's necessarily going to walk into uh, the most fantasy friendly three down role. It's the, this is how I feel with the Dolphins and the Jaguars. I could see them taking a running back because I don't think that the organizations are completely sold on Gaskin or James RB one son, but them taking a running back isn't going to be great. Again, Jets, Falcons, Steelers, and by, by some miracle, the Cardinals. Those are the main offenses we want to look at in these early rounds. So the Dolphins, I would not want them to take a running back because I want the running back to try to go to one of these other squads here in the mid-20s. So just keep on adding the offensive linemen. You know, it's pretty hilarious that uh, Eric Flowers has to be like the reason why the Dolphins are considering considering change, uh, changing their strategy at number six. But whatever, man, let's just build up the line. It'll improve everyone. And I've said enough about the Dolphins now. So Andrew. Washington football team now, pick 19. 
I think that the Washington football team is in a perfect spot for us to be happy with the offensive playmakers they have. They have Curtis Samuel, they have Derek McLaurin, they have Antonio Gibson. Like I know that we've heard seen some mocks where they've drafted ETN and that just kind of like wants me make me pull my hair out because I'm like, oh my God, like what are you doing? Like, come on, Antonio Gibson was really good last year. Like, let's let's just have him take over JD McKissick's role. Like, let's do that. Let's not draft another running back. So I'll go offensive line here as well. I think I'll take uh Samuel Cosme, the the yeah. Texas tackle. I think he's still there. Yeah, Should be there. Right. You spell it. C O S M I E. There Boom. he is. Texas. <laughs> All the offensive linemen. <laughs> yeah, I mean they do have room for another receiver, but then that would be taken away from Curtis, from Terry, even Logan Thomas a little bit. I don't get the running back hype to Washington even a little bit, yeah. like. Antonio Gibson was great last year when he was playing. He was really starting to put it together, which makes sense. The guy had, you know, what, 27 carries in Memphis was a stat we couldn't get out of our mouths all last offseason. So, yeah, and I mean, Jay McKissick, as much crap as you want to give him, like, he's a fine scat back. You know, looking at Washington, I don't say they're one running back away from being contention, but as we saw with the Packers last year, uh, maybe the NFL decision makers have a slightly different outlook. So the Bears are interesting here. There's some really good receivers that interesting. I would – there's some really good receivers, but I don't know if I want to, you know, tell Elijah Moore or, you know, Terrace Marshall that you got to go play with Andy Dalton <laughs> in that offense. I am going to go with Elijah Moore. Uh, he Ugh. does seem like, I know, I know. I wish he could have fallen to the Packers or even the Titans here, but it is what it is, Andrew. I think Elijah Moore would immediately step in for Anthony Miller. I'd be surprised if Anthony Miller is even on the team uh, by the time August rolls around. And, man, Elijah Moore, dude, like, you know, okay, he's got some size concerns. I get that. But every single first-round receiver in his class has size concerns. I do think the way football is trending, like, it doesn't make sense to say we've only had, you know, X amount of receivers that under, you know, X amount of weight in the past, uh, you know, 20 years. The game of football is so much different now than it was 20 years ago with players knocking their heads taken off every single time they go over the middle. So I could see someone like Elijah Moore thriving. And, man, if they could just wrap their heads around, like, Tariq Cohen just – He's fine, but when they use him, like everybody just knows the ball is going his way. You can't keep him in and pass block. He's such a gadget, and I'm not even blaming Tariq Cohen for that, more so than Matt Nagy, but if we could find a way to not throw the ball at Tariq Cohen over 100 times and really just feed Elijah Moore some of those you know, friendly RB-esque routes and, uh, and, and things of that nature, I think he would have a chance to still put up some big numbers in Chicago because we know Allen Robinson's the alpha, and I like Darnell Mooney, but if they really invest another first-round guy like Elijah Moore in this picture, I mean, you know, Andy Dalton as I guess what's the right word as underwhelmed as I am <laughs> by the bears deciding Andy Dalton is the guy they're going to go into 2021 with. He did improve with the Cowboys and there I talked about how bad the offensive line was, wasn't as clean of a situation for him to step into last year. As I think a lot of people, uh, you know, like Tony Dungy might've made it out to be. So uh, Elijah Moore to the bears starts from day one. And I think has a sneaky chance of getting triple digit targets. If we get a little bit more uh, rational play calling out of Nagy and company. Andrew, tough, uh, tough one to really settle on next. I'm excited to see where you go. Indianapolis Colts, pick number 21. There's a couple different options. I was actually kind of thinking even like tight end maybe, maybe Pat Fryermuth, but then again, I think he's just going to go there and it's going to be a committee between him and Jack Doyle and big Moali Cox. So I, I'm going to pivot off the tight end take and I'm going to go with, I'm gonna go with my highest ranked wide receiver. I'm going to go with Rondell Moore. I think that the Colts, again, they have Paris Campbell, but he's been hurt the last two seasons. I think they may be potentially ready to move on. And if they invest first round pick into Rondell Moore, who's super explosive slot wide receiver, again, he's a little bit smaller, but he's different 
than what they already have. He's a completely different receiver than a T.Y. Hilton or a Michael Pittman Jr. So I think this also helps. Okay, Michael Pittman can still be a thing. He could potentially be the alpha there, but Rondell Moore now kind of quietly becomes a target that we can look at later in drafts as, oh, this guy could be a PPR machine in that offense. I had, uh, if it feels up to me, I would have gone with Kadarius Tony because it's like the one guy that no one really seems to be in on. So let's just throw him in this offense that <laughs> also no one is really in on. It's just too crowded. Yeah, man. I mean, Rondale, I, I, I've been hoping he falls to the Saints. I think uh, there'd be a little bit better of a spot for him there. But yeah, I mean, I think Frank Wright could certainly find the right way to use him. It, is the Colts offense still incredibly crowded? Yeah. But I don't think T.Y. Hilton really has a long-term future here. And obviously, Rondale's uh, skill set doesn't really overlap with anyone other than Paris Campbell, who, man, I wish he could stay healthy, but it's not like we can rely on that guy. Yeah. All right. So this one is easy. Arguably the number two receiver available. I wouldn't say that, but I think top three, top four. Terrace Marshall to the Tennessee Titans. Maybe the best spot for a rookie wide receiver to land in the draft is with the Titans. You look at this team last year, reigning number four scoring offense, losing Corey Davis, losing Adam Humphreys, even losing Jonu Smith. And we're talking about a top five offense in terms of available targets. And they can talk about how they want to run the ball, just like the Seahawks want to talk about that. Look at these defenses. There's no way they're going to be able to control the game as much as they want to. We're going to need to see Ryan Tanner, who ever since he has stepped foot in Tennessee, has been functioning as a top 10 quarterback. We're going to see him once again flirting with a legit top 10 workload because they're going to have to throw the ball so much. Look, everyone listening to this podcast, including myself, wants A.J. Brown to get 200 targets. He can get that, and we can still have another receiver uh, flirting with a triple-digit total. So Josh Reynolds is like the definition of an incumbent. You know, not I guess he just signed, so he's not an incumbent starter, but the definition of competition I am not worried about. And even if he is in there, like Terrence Marshall can step in and uh, still start in three wide receiver sets. Absolutely no problem. Uh, I would think this would be a good, uh, just again, I want to get less away from having these defined wide receivers. I don't just want my slot guy to be short and capable of running vertical. Let's put Marshall in the slot some. Let's put A.J. Brown in the slot some more. People thought A.J. Brown was a slot receiver coming out of college. Like, line these guys up all over the place. Give him Ryan Tannehill throw, throwing dimes up and down the field. I think Marshall could, you know, probably not outproduce Jamar Chase, but I think if he lands in Tennessee, man, it'd be hard to not slot him as the number two, number three, maybe uh, rookie wide receiver, at least for 2021 alone. Now here's a big one, Andrew, important one. We've only had one running back go so far, but with the New York Jets, 23, who would you want? Three letters, E-T-N. There we go. Another running back, another part of the big three. These are the spots we want. You know, we need a big three running back to go to the Jets. We need a big three running back to go to the Steelers. And then there's a couple other landing spots where we want one of these big three guys to land because that's where he's most likely going to get a full workload. Look, Tevin Coleman, the guy can never stay healthy. I'm not concerned about any of the other Jets players. I think that if this pick happens in real life, which it's not out of the question, it could potentially happen whether it's at 23 or with one of their second round picks, ETN going to the Jets makes a lot of sense. And I think you wrote about this in your article about the fantasy mock draft is that he fits really well in the scheme. Like he fits really well with the outside zone that they're going to run there with Michael floor. So he can catch passes out of the backfield. Zach Wilson's not a super running quarterback. He's not super mobile. He's a mobile guy, but he's not someone that's always looking to take off and run. I know he scored like 10 touchdowns last year, but I don't necessarily think that's going to translate to the NFL. So I think that this is like the best spot I think for Etienne to end up landing in. So I love it. Like I've seen people comp him to, 
CJ 2K or even like Alvin Kamara. And I don't see either of those. Maybe 2017, 2019 ETN, you could really comp to one of the more explosive big play backs that we've seen. But I do have concerns about him just overcoming a bad situation. This is why we want him to land in a glorious situation like the Jets. I do think, you know, look, I'm not going to pretend like I know just the best possible, you know, running game fit for every single running back. But for ETN, man, I do think that you put any running back in a Shanahan induced <laughs> run game and it's, it's probably gonna lead, yeah, it's gonna lead to good results. And the biggest thing here is just the opportunity. I mentioned this again, Kevin Cole's article, like the Jets have Far more opportunity than anybody else. Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, Michael P. Ryan. Like these guys are not going to hold a candle, even one of my glorious candles, to what ETN could go and do there with the Jets. So Najee Harris would be fine. You know, Javante would be fine here as well. Just realize the Jets and our next team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who I will be drafting for and taking Najee Harris, yes. have just an overwhelming amount of available draft capital. The Najee Harris to uh, Pittsburgh rumors have been, I feel like, rolling in throughout the entire offseason. I don't hate it. Should they probably, you know, just invest in the offensive line here? Yes. But, you know, for people saying that the Steelers' offensive line is so bad, like they can't even have a good running back, no. There's going to be so much opportunity, both in the pass game and run game, that even on a bad offensive line, I think they'll be just fine. It's not like James Conner last year was just averaging like 2.5 yards per carry. He was at 4.3. I know it wasn't consistent or all that effective. That's why they threw the ball so damn much. But it wasn't like you know they were just incapable of running the ball last season. I think bigger issues were probably Ben Roethlisberger's kind of inability to really – do and you know run play auction run play action you know turn his back to the defense things that he's not comfortable doing uh, I think kind of limited their offense and just made them awfully predictable by the time things got going so Najee Harris Andrew I think we talked about this last week but I would say if he lands on the Steelers he would be about an RB 15 16 I guess Najee or ETN in, in this situation who do you want to have in a uh, 2021 that's like I still think I want Najee just because he yeah. has the the belt. I, I just if he gets drafted in the first round by the Steelers, I do not see him coming off the field ever. Yeah. I just think that he's going to be so entrenched as their bell cow back. You know, he measures in the exact same size that Le'Veon Bell was when he got drafted by the Steelers, 230, six feet tall, and he can do it all. Like the guy yeah. can catch passes, the guy runs super aggressively, can break tackles. Again, he's not this elite speed that's going to break away these 80 yard touchdown runs, but yeah. not everyone's Raheem Mostert. Like, like Raheem <laughs> Mostert's like one of the only guys that actually does that. So I think he's just going to get so much volume that it's not even going to matter how good the offensive line is. And like, it's not like the Jets have this great offensive line that we're looking to target either. I just, <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing. We're just singling out the uh, Steelers with that, but oh well. Andrew, are we going to see another running back go to Jaguars at 25? What do you think here? No, I'm not going to do that to James Robinson right now. Good. I'll let the Thank real you. NFL. I'll, I'll let the real NFL draft play out, and then <laughs> everyone can come slide into the DMs about James Robinson and how you're complaining about how his stock has fallen. But in this case, I want to add another pass catcher for the Jaguars, but not one that's going to necessarily compete with Chenault, with DJ Chark, with Marvin Jones. I'm going to add uh, Pat Fryermuth, the tight end. Nice. The Jaguars. I don't know. Is there James O'Shaughnessy? I, I think that might be who's on the roster right now. I, I think Eifert's back. Eifert, I thought that they had let Eifert go. They get regardless. They need a tight end. He is and, a free agent. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they need a tight end. And look, if it weren't for Kyle Pitts being in this draft, people would be much more, way more excited about Pat Farmuth because he's a really good tight end. Like you don't get the label of baby Gronk without being a really productive tight end in your own right. And again, he's kind of he's going to end up being a value in like dynasty rookie drafts just because mm -hmm. Kyle Pitts. It's just everyone wants Kyle Pitts. But don't forget about Pat Farmuth again. Rookie tight ends usually don't do a lot, but 
if he finds himself in a decent opportunity with Trevor Lawrence, I like it. Yeah, people, look, Pat is the number two tight end in his class. It's not Tommy Trumbull. I know Tommy Trumbull had <laughs> a spectacular pro day, but, you know, you need to just go. You can't just look at the pro day numbers. You got to take that extra step and just see a little bit, like, is this guy a real-life tight end that could catch, uh, you know, 100 passes in the best-case scenario? I do think Fryermouth, if someone wants to give him that role, it's not going to be in 2021. It might not even be uh, ever, but I do think that, yeah, he deserves to be number two tight end. He is going under the radar. Uh, quick shout-out, everybody, for some of the drafts the most exciting day of the season for others it is a chance to build on last year's success whether your team has the first or the first pick or the last DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing the excitement to you DraftKings Sportsbook America's top rated sportsbook app is partnering with PFF for a custom NFL draft prop on Thursday night so they are boosting the odds on if more than 1.5 running backs are selected in the first round of the NFL draft download the top rated uh, DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code PFF when you bet our custom NFL draft prop before Thursday night triple your money people with boosted odds on if more than 1.5 running backs are selected in the first round. Don't forget, enter code PFF during sign-up. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Illinois, Tennessee, New Hampshire only. New customers only. Winnings paid out in free bets. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Andrew, gun to your head. More than one and a half running backs. First round, I would say no. Yeah, I'm going to say no too. I think Har- I think it's going to be Harris and I think that's going to be it. I think you can get plus money right now on Travis Etienne under over 32. So I'm going to take the over on that. Cleveland Browns pick number 26. They do not need another offensive lineman. I'm giving them one because <laughs> Yes. Look, we already have I mean this <laughs> tight end room is a not a disaster. Like Austin Hooper, uh you know, David Njoku, even their uh uh I, losing his name but they have three very good tight ends uh, in cleveland already we're not we're not getting enough volume for any of them to be really fancy relevant which is annoying but we're not going to add another one there particularly with uh fire out of the picture wide receiver like dude the hate towards obj just continues to just put my brain like in a pretzel like people act like he didn't do anything last year he was crushing it last year now he wasn't getting a ton of volume because this is a run first offense and we're going to have that issue again next season that's why i don't want to add another wide receiver to an offense that has obj that has jarvis landry even rashard higgins donovan people's jones like if higgins had left then maybe there'd be a reason to come in and try to just add uh, another weapon depending on how you feel about donovan people's jones but man like people jones impressed me last year that's part of the reason why uh us the PFF are so high on Nico Collins. You know, it's kind of looking at the prospects coming out of Michigan and saying, you know what? This hasn't exactly been the best place for a wide receiver to develop in recent years. Maybe, you know, these X five-star uh, athletes that, you know, at the Alabamas and LSUs wanted, you know, we can still look at them in that similar uh, sphere uh, as they move on to the NFL. So, yeah, the Browns, man, they just need to help their defense. And that's why, you know, this a uh, little bit funky part of this uh, exercise we're doing here, they need to use every single draft pick on their defense because their offense, man, PFF's only offensive line we've ever graded as the number one run blocking and pass blocking unit. Chubb and Hunt are the best backfield in the NFL. Baker was playing absolutely fantastic after about week seven last year. And I mentioned the wide receivers. So Browns, please don't add uh, any more volume issues to your already spectacular and well-spread out offense. Andrew, Ravens, pick number 27. Okay, so the Ravens probably need to draft a tackle at some point, but a lot of tackles have obviously already taken. <laughs> and so there's a, the wide receiver position is starting to thin out a little bit here too. So I'm actually going to go with a perimeter wide receiver because I think that's what they – more or less need again i see tony still on the board but i want them to get someone that can win more on the outside and for me it's going to be tylon wallace from oklahoma state he 
was born to play on the outside. Like he, that's what he does best. He's a really great contested catch receiver, but it's not in the case of like a Seth Williams where you're just a big body guy. Like he can get open on the outside. And that's what we saw last year too many times was guys not getting open night guys, not getting separation for, for Lamar Jackson. So again, just add weapons for Lamar. Again, they have two picks in the first round. So they grab a receiver here and then I'm not sure if it's going to be me or you picking, but at 31, we'll, we'll grab the tackle. Yeah. And I mean, look, Marquise Watkins, like even Andrew at this point, I don't think any of these guys are getting triple digit targets as it is. The best thing we could do is to add more receivers and just try to get Lamar uh, up into a really good, better position. Like he was an MVP as a passer. I mean, we don't, we're asking Lamar to overcome like a scenario that nobody else is. The Ravens have had a bottom three offense in spending ever since Flacco left. Like they just have not really done anything to help make life easier for Lamar Jackson. Guy wins an MVP anyway. Guy, you know, was a very brutal, but a pick six against the Bills away from freaking, you know, tying that game up. Like for the Bills to beat the Ravens, I think they had like 219 total yards of offense, man. It's a shame that Lamar got that concussion because you might be having a different uh, story if he managed to kind of pull that game uh, out of thin air because it's not like Josh Allen just absolutely kind of dominated in that one. But enough on the Ravens. You took my favorite pick for the next one here, Andrew, because I want Rondale Moore to end up with the Saints. Ever since I heard him comp to uh, Darren Sproles, I was like, well, hey, let's <laughs> let's get him to the place where Darren Sproles was at, at his best. So I do think Rondale Moore would slide in into the Saints offense uh, just great. With that said, I will take Diami Brown from North Carolina. I think uh, he is one of the better field-stretching talents uh, in this kind of second tier of wide receivers. I uh, came up with a metric called playmaker rate where you pretty much take uh, you know runs of 15-plus yards, catches of 20-plus yards, broken tackles, uh, touchdowns, kind of give each of those things uh different weights divided by total touches and basically who's making the most big plays happen on a per touch basis and brown was third among all draft eligible wide receivers from 2020 again just truly explosive you know on this list i actually had him going to the ravens in the pick before so i don't think he's someone we need to you know slide into an offense and just necessarily i guess i guess what i'm trying to say is i think you can put him in a bunch of different offenses and just having that sort of playmaker on the outside is going to make everybody involved better so saints Packers, Ravens, hell, even if the Buccaneers want to go crazy, I think Diane Brown would make anybody a better offense here in 2021. And Andrew, unfortunately, man, we always talk about the one to give the Packers a wide receiver. <laughs> I think we've taken a lot of the good ones at this point. But with that said, what do you think the Packers would do at 29 here? Look, man, if I don't take a receiver for Aaron Rodgers, he's going to have an aneurysm. So <laughs> I'm going with Kadarius Tony again. Oh, I don't necessarily love the fit because Kadarius Tony has been known to kind of do his own thing on routes, which may or may not fly with Aaron Rodgers. You're like, hey, man, you need to be exact with your route running. But at the same time, when he gets the ball in his hands, you know, if they can just figure out a way to get the ball in Kadarius Tony's hands, that's when the magic happens. Again, the guy is basically Dante Hall when he touches the ball. You know, Ooh. one of the top performers in terms of missed tackle rate per touch at the receiver position in this class. So I like Kadarius Tony. I actually like Kadarius Tony a lot to the Saints as well. I think that he would be someone that would be kind of that unique gadgety player for the Saints. I know you mentioned Rondell Moore's piece there and Darren Sproles. I think Kadarius Tony kind of falls into that mold a little bit as well. And I know the Saints have been doing a lot of work on Kyle Trask, the Florida quarterback, and Kadarius Tony's obviously from Florida as well. So I think that they have a good grasp on Kadarius Tony's Kadarius Tony's prospects in the league. But I'm gonna go with him at Green Bay. I mean, yeah, neither of us are the biggest Kadarius Tony fans. I don't think there are a ton of big Kadarius Tony fans out there, but this is why, like, we can't get too 
set in our pre-draft opinions, man. Because if the Packers decide that they love Tony <laughs> or the Saints do, like we're going to need to bump him up a lot, man. So yeah. it, it really, the, the landing spot does matter so much uh, for some of these uh, second tier guys in particular. Just don't be afraid to change some of your priors as we get new information, like being Aaron freaking Rodgers, potential number two wide receiver. Uh, next up with the Bills, I am going to look at the running back position because we've heard some murmurs, man, and they might not be happy with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. I'm going to go with Michael Carter. Arguably, I haven't seen too many people go out there on a limb, but I've heard some say that, you know, he might be the better North Carolina running back. I would still give it to Javante, but I do think of Michael Carter and you watch him. To me, he seems like, and they, they use him this way, but he's more of the potential three down ready back. I think he can catch the ball a little bit better. And really with the Bills, man, Singletary and Moss, they aren't, you know, completely out of their element as receivers, but I think Michael Carter would give them arguably the most three down ready back of the group. And with first round capital, it might just convince them to give Michael Carter a legit, you know, 80-90% snap roll. We've seen Singletary get that for stretches over the past two years. Clearly, they don't feel great about him doing that, even when Zach Moss was hurt. You know, we had TJ Yeldon coming up, so I don't think the Bills are necessarily against using a feature back. I just don't think they've really had one that they like uh, to this point. You know, in real life, yes, please just keep building your defense, Buffalo. But in fantasy land, man, I know we don't like the Bills running backs. We brought this up this podcast. Josh Allen does not have time to check the ball down. He's going to try <laughs> to run it in on his own, you know, inside the 10-yard line. But if we can get a situation like this where they do find a running back that they love and now we're getting 15, 20 touches per game, it's okay if not all those touches are super fantasy friendly. So Michael Carter to the Bills. Andrew, pick 31, Ravens. Who's a tackle? Tackle the Notre Dame one. I think it's like Liam Eisen, Eisen something. Yeah, yeah. let's go with Eisenberg. Let's get it. Lock it up. Got to keep J.K. Dobbins running six yards of carry. What linebacker has that tough name too? Jeremiah Awusu Karomo. Jock. <laughs> J-O-K. <laughs> Doc, there we go. That makes things a lot better. All right, now for the Buccaneers, who just re-signed uh, Antonio Brown today. So not, you know, just more and more crowded. I think all those receivers. We can talk about that real quick, Andrew. I mean, A.B., Evans, Goblin. It's going to be tough to really feel great about any one of them, man. I mean, the targets, I don't have them up right in front of me, but I'm pretty sure their targets were awfully even when you go in from Antonio being added before they got blown out against the Saints. From that week on, man, we really did see Brady distribute it. The tight ends are still involved. Scotty's still involved. We can see Tyler Williams uh, getting in there like – it's just going to be hard to put any of these guys inside the top 20, I think, because of pure volume concerns. Obviously, any of Evans, Goblins, and, a and AB with, you know, 120, 130-plus targets, we'd be loving. But it's going to be tough, man. Brady likes to spread the ball around. He does. So, for me, I think it's just Godwin. I, I think that's probably the only one I would probably consider. And, again, from where, where I remember him going in drafts, it was around, like, the end of the fifth round. You know, Antonio Brown being back might push him into the sixth round. And at that that price I'll, I'll pay for Godwin because I know that his role in the slot is, is pretty locked in for the most part. Mike Evans was really touchdown dependent last year, which is something usually you don't want to rely on year over year. So I, I Godwin's probably the only guy I'm, I'll probably lean towards at all. And with all that said, I'm going Ohio State's own Trey Sermon to the Buccaneers <laughs> at pick 32. A little bit of a reach. We actually had uh, Andrew's guy, Khalil Herbert, uh, graded just ahead of him. And looking at the draft grades, yeah, a lot of Fs in there. I do not blame them. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, man, with Sermon, again, it's similar reasoning to the Bills. Like, we I, we fully expect the Buccaneers to use a committee backfield right now. So, like, we're not getting anything out of it right now. Let's add another running back that at least maybe has a chance to be that three-down guy. I mean, I really think Sermon is a real 
Israel, you know, film grinders delight, uh, even though he hasn't had as much experience as a receiver, uh, like, you know, Travis Etienne, for example, I still think in his opportunities, he's looked fine. Hardly, you know, a fish out of water uh, when being asked to catch the ball. So Trey Sermon, man, you know, he's someone where if we see maybe the 49ers taking him late, like the, the right situation for Trey Sermon, I don't want to call anyone this year's, you know, James Robinson. He was literally an undrafted player that became a top 12 fantasy producer. That has not happened in the past 10 years. Even Philip Lindsay got close, but he was RB 13. Uh, so don't, don't check me on that out there, everyone. But uh, <laughs> looking at these offenses, like the Buccaneers, 49ers, Bills, not as smooth as the Jets, Steelers, Falcons, but also situations where, you know, Giovanni Bernard, Lenny Fournette, uh, Ronald Jones, it's not the most inconceivable spot for Sermon to maybe make a leap and get out ahead. By the way, everybody, if you want to put your money where your mouth is and try to nail some of these rookies before it's too late, head on over to Underdog Fantasy. Uh, Underdog's got everything, including season-long and playoff best ball. Best ball is a season-long game where you draft a team like you normally do, but that's it. There's no in-season roster management. Underdog automatically selects your best performers each week, saving you loads of time. Go to Underdog Fantasy and deposit $10 using promo code PFF and get a free PFF Edge inscription. That's promo code PFF. Draft now at Underdog Fantasy. Andrew, we did it. Yeah, we have ahead. we have breaking news though. Oh no. The Denver Broncos have traded for quarterback Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater for a sixth round pick, but the trade does not take Denver out of the quarterback market Thursday night per source. Uh, okay. <laughs> it just basically means to me it's like unless a quarterback basically falls into their lap, they'll take one. But besides <laughs> that, they're not going to go out of their way to draft one if someone wants to come up and trade with them and sure like they'll take picks at, at least that's the way i look at it like okay i guess i have to admit that teddy bridgewater is a better option than drew lock i don't feel good about it i think <laughs> drew lock we know what teddy bridgewater is i think we're 80 percent of the way there with drew lock so i would say this is the right kind of guy you want to bring in for competition but i don't know man Teddy's such a great guy, and you know it's kind of like Alex Smith. It's hard to say a bad thing about him because I've always been through and all that. But you know, for him to only, I believe, literally just throw for 15 touchdowns last year with those wide receivers he was dealing with in situations where they continuously had to throw to try to keep up. You know, I, I just don't think uh, I don't think Teddy's it. And even if uh, Denver offers arguably a more complete offense, which I don't even necessarily think is true, particularly when you think about the play calling, I think it just hurts everything involved with Denver. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, I don't think it's a big fancy takeaway here. It's weird because Teddy Bridgewater is almost like the polar opposite of Drew Locke in terms of you have this super yeah. conservative quarterback and then you have this wild stallion of Drew Locke. Like Teddy Bridgewater is super accurate. Like that, like you look at all the accuracy numbers from last year, like he ranks up at the top, but he doesn't thread the needle. Like at least Drew Locke is willing to like chuck it deep and, you know, if it's a turnover or whatever, but he also has a lot of big time throws. That's not the case of Teddy Bridgewater, who's like, all right, well, let's take a field goal. So, if the Broncos want to win games, it's probably Teddy Bridgewater. That, that should be the quarterback. That, that should be the goal, probably, you know, for an NFL football <laughs> but team. For fantasy, I think this puts more on the receivers to make plays after the catch and do a little yeah. bit more work. At least Bridgewater can get the ball in their hands, but may not be as high quality of targets downfield. I was just saying, man, I mean, when I did an article <laughs> looking at the most unlucky receivers from last year, the two guys popping up on every single list were Jerry Judy and DJ Moore. Like, <laughs> we're going to see some, we're going to see some takes. I mean, we had guys calling Carson Wentz an MVP candidate after the trade. Like I'm sure people could be talking Teddy Bridgewater up as, you know, the next big thing with the Broncos. I think Teddy Bridgewater is a top 
30 quarterback on this planet. I do not think he is top 20, and that is that. Andrew, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Nope, that, that's going to do it for me. I'm just excited for the draft to kick off. Just We're less than uh, 24 hours. We're a little bit over 24 hours away, 30 hours or so. So just can't wait for it to finally transpire and for us to finally dig into the landing spots. Do you have a prop bet or anything you're just loving that you can leave the people with? I like the Rashawn Slater first offensive tackle off the board. It's, it's plus money, and a lot of people have been talking that they have Slater just outright ranked ahead of Sewell. Like, neither of these guys played last year. So for a, a certain organization to think that, hey, we think that Slater's better, I don't think it's that out of the range of outcomes that he could be the first one off the board. I mean, last year we had a bunch of good tackles, and it was Andrew Thomas who had the highest odds or the, the best betting odds to be the first tackle drafted, and he made you a lot of money if you'd taken him. So I like Slater. He's like plus 300 versus um, – Sewell was like minus 400 to be the first tackle off the board. And I like, as I said before, Devontae Smith over pick 11 and a half. I mean, we got five quarterbacks. We got two, at least two wide receivers that were pretty confident. The majority of the league has ranked ahead of Devontae Smith and, and Waddle and Chase. Obviously, Pitts, we got the tackles. And like, we're already at 10 players right there. Not even to mention if Mika Parsons or one of these, uh, you know, Sertan uh, S defenders ends up going a little bit higher. So Devontae Smith over 11 and a half and Rashawn Slater first tackle off the board. Thank us later for that, everybody. He's Andrew. I'm Ian. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. We will be back Friday night. Uh, so I guess it'll, or no, Thursday night, excuse me. So tune in Friday morning and Saturday morning for immediate reactions from Andrew and myself in regards to all the fantasy goodness that just went down. And then we'll be back next Monday as well to really go through everything and then really get into the fantasy football offseason. I'm pumped. Thank you as always for listening. Until next time, take care, everybody.